Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Talking Tenets podcast. We have none other than Tim Teal, the surfing salesman on this episode of the podcast. A high performer, Tim is amassing an online following already with his drive to help other salespeople with the real focus on junior and entry level reps to kickstart and accelerate their careers in sales. He's somebody I've been looking forward to chatting with for some time and looking to glean some insights from his four years as a successful rep with Go One. Hope you enjoy it. All right, brilliant. So okay. we'll kick off Tim Teal, the surfing salesman. Uh, pleasure to have you on the Talking Tenants podcast, Tim. So thanks for being here. No worries, John, John Joe. Nice to meet you, of course. And you. So I was introduced to yourself um, via our shared network. So you're um, bringing out some really good content based on your own um, your own performance, your own achievements with Go One, and what I've really loved about it from following it over the recent weeks, and a lot of my network is um, very busily following you as well. Is you're bringing out some really actionable content based on on results, and I think that's a, a theme that we're trying to continue with on this podcast. Is we want to try to see if we can pull out and extract some tangible, actionable things that people can take away from you know really short snippet and use i think we um often do quite poorly at understanding how people are being successful uh typically so i really like that way you've approached you know i'm hoping that we could um really glean some actionable insights for the junior mid-level sales people that you you've got real passion for helping yourself so um um yeah really appreciate you coming on and i wanted to kick off perhaps we could talk about your step into go one so you started there as a custom success manager yeah, that's right. So that was back in the uh, in the glory days, very early 2019. And I came from, um, you know, like a hotel management hospitality background, so totally different to SaaS. And I, I felt as though moving into a CSM role, well, to be totally honest, it's probably a bit of a fluke. Um, and I landed the role at Go One just by maybe some personalization um, with outreaching to the recruiter. Um, at the time, I probably didn't know what personalization was, but accidentally stumbled upon it and landed this role that I probably wasn't actually, um, you know, equipped for. <laughs> um, and look, it's for me, that first year at Go One in that customer success manager role, you know, just threw me in the deep end of tech and SaaS. And I understood what it was like from, you know, implementing a customer through to trying to save churn, through to making sure they're, um, they understand the goals that they want to achieve and aligning our product solution with um, with what they're trying to achieve. So in the early days of Go One, um, we, we probably didn't have uh, the resources or the technology infrastructure that we have today to support us. So we like to kind of refer to it as the cowboy era. Um, so, you know, you had to just roll up the sleeves, get in there and get it done yourself. So I was really fortunate to have built up quite a good foundational um, understanding of technology of how our customers would use us today. Um, and then I obviously le leveraged that into more of the pre-sales conversation. Nice. And and that's really interesting, the personalization before it was even a conscious thing. Can you remember what, what that looked like, the message to the recruiter initially? Yeah, look, I think it was, um, I was probably doing some SDR actions even before I knew what they were. And mm. you know, I had this epiphany and spoke to a recruiter about leaving hospitality and I just didn't know the world that was out there. I had friends that worked in investment banking and said I, I could have tried to do something like that. 
But like me behind a screen in Excel, I was I wouldn't have been playing to my strengths, and I would have I think been um, yeah been belittled pretty quickly from some of their talent. And I think I stumbled across a recruiter, and they they mentioned to me customer success SaaS, and I probably spent three months doing some research, understanding it a little bit more, and then I went out with my outbound strategy almost, where I was reaching out to recruiters, different companies, of course, you know a lot of um you know a lot of ghosting was done to me. And there are a couple of companies that I managed to um, to personalize a message enough to get a response, to land that first interview. And I think that was the real goal. As soon as I was in the interview with a few of these companies, I'd like to think I was able to show my personality and style and that I was coachable and had the right attitude. Um, and then, of course, it was up to them to, to, I guess, take the punt if they felt it was right. Um, why do you think that approach to personalization came so naturally? Um, I don't, yeah, it's, it's tough. I just think like you want to stand out and if you want to stand out, I think you've got to kind of go above and beyond and everyone receives inbound messages that are just so boring, that are just so professional. And, you know, some of them, I probably went too personalized and was scrolling through their Facebook. Oh, they're really into, um, uh, you know, really into, you know, ethically sourced products and, you know, really focused on their keep cups. And then I'd send a message like, would love to, you know, catch up for a quick coffee. Don't worry, I'll bring my own keep cup. Just things like that. I don't know. Like, and it just starts to, I don't know, show a bit of character before you're even in the conversation with them. And again, just standing out. Fantastic. Now, the CSM role that you went into, you mentioned it was a little bit unique, right? Because you were in that cowboy area you mentioned, uh, building phase. So what did that look like when you went from CSM to AE? What was that transition? Yeah, so about nine months into the CS role, um, you know, I've, I've, I've always, people have always said, oh, you, you do great in sales, Tim. And I always had that classic, men, classic mentality of a secondhand car salesperson. And I feel like this is probably just way overused. And I just wanted to stay clear of that, hence why my move to CS. But then from speaking to a few of the really high-performing account executives within Go One, you know, they started to really pull back the curtains and had some really candid conversations with me about some of the benefits um, of performing well within SaaS specifically. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm pretty driven um, monetarily. Um, and, you know, I just thought, God, if I can roll up the sleeves and really do this and do it right, then you know, it might give me a really, I don't know, sense, great sense of satisfaction and growth. So um, within that nine months, I spoke to a few of the Go One founders, spoke to the head, head of sales and made that transition in and fortunately landed on my feet. And going into that role, did you pick up existing customers? So were you um, expanding on your current role or you went, you went not backwards as such, but did you take a different route where you're going into an outbound SDR type role or, or prospecting type role? Yeah, so yeah, conscious that different SaaS companies have different mm. setups. At Go One, we have our customer success managers that look purely um, at the current existing customers. Our account executives are net new logos every day of the week. So we don't have an account book um, as such. So it was straight into the new business. And how did you manage in, in that outbound pipeline development coming from CSM? Did that come natural? Did you have to adopt a framework? How were the first three to six months? Yeah, look, to be totally honest, I was um, probably shitting bricks. Um, I remember my very first official day of 100% account executive work 
because there was around a three month overlap time frame where I was scaling down my current accounts and then moving into the new business and having that ramp, the ramp targets. It was the first week of COVID. And I was like, well, this is great. You know, I think, you know, turning on the news, my first week of signing up new logos and companies are going bust, budgets are on halt. So, you know, it was, alarm bells were slightly ringing. Um, but I think it was a, it was a whole new skill set that I had to learn. And I think I, I, I'd like to think I try to take it in my stride, but like it was tough as well. Like from never making real cold calls, cold emails, sequences, um, you know, it, it, it was tough. And I think um, I just had to kind of take a deep breath, have a look at what was working well and try to replicate what others were doing and not trying to reinvent the wheel or, or blow something out of proportion. For you personally, that that phase, did you see it as a means to an end, right? So there's a lot of resilience involved. You you need you, the statistics show you need to have a certain amount of outputs to get the return and you know, you're building towards that. There's a goal, right? So I think for some people, there's um, just a, a realization it is a thing that you need to do um, or was it something you really enjoyed and the, the outbound? What, do you, what, what did you find? Yeah, look, I think it, like initially it's it's you've got to do this to be successful. Mm-hmm. You've got to build your pipeline. And the only way that you, you have control of doing that is picking up the blower and sending out emails. So it was kind of, um, yeah, it, it was a necessity to start with. And I probably, to be honest, like I was probably pretty rattled. Like anyone would be rattled. You know, you've got a lot of rejection. You've got people hanging up on you. Um, people saying things that totally catch you off guard. I was also at a time when I was working at, working from home and I had flatmates at the time and they could hear me doing this and like I was embarrassed. But um, I think as you persist and you get in the flow and you build your own cadence, even have your own little script, your openers that you can rely on, you start to realize that there's only a certain number of, um, of responses that you can get and you start to mentally understand where to go um, depending on what the, the – the person on the other line says. And I think that's when you start to become more comfortable and there is an enjoyment factor as well. When you get that meeting booked, um, when you find a customer that is at the right time and has a problem they're looking to solve, like there's no better feeling than than generating your own revenue. That's right. And that feeling from going on a cold call, somebody you've never spoken to before, the um, the nervousness of what you're going to get on the other end and, and that translates into a good call, a great outcome for both parties. It's, it's going to be quite euphoric, can't it? So I think you're right. Once you do get there and you, you start to get some success, your confidence grows. But it's the reason I bring it up is it's something that, that plays a real crucial part in our everyday conversations with, with candidates, particularly SDRs. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a real bell curve we find where two, three months stage um, people are dropping out, right? So there's that 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 kind of curve you need to get or get through to to go beyond. With SDRs, you know, a lot of the questions we're asking us when they want to move to an AE role is: is there any outbound? They don't want to look at any largely don't want to look at other roles that have outbound. They feel like I've done my time um, and I want to move on. That that's a really common consensus. How do we go about getting more SDRs into the industry? Because it's so talent short, and there mm-hmm. is this perception that it's going to be so tough. There are the opportunities that might be easier perhaps than doing outbound calling all day. What do you think um, we could do better or is go one doing something that's particularly unique to, to find those kind of people and get them into sales? Yeah, look, I think, you know, you've, you've said it, you've hit the nail on the head. It's kind of that perception, that stigma. And I think we've got to change that. And that's not up to any individual. I think that's the industry. And I think it is changing. 
particularly when you look at the states, an STR role is, you know, it's it's really well regarded. Some people want to stay in that role and don't even want to move into an account executive role. So I think it is starting to change over time. Um, like, you know, some assumptions that I have, and I've got to recognize I've never been in a pure outbound SDR role. Um, I've come from that customer success background, so not as traditional as an SDR that would then scale up through to those, um, you know, those closing roles. But I guess for me, I think I'd like to understand during those exit interviews, if, if SDRs are leaving at three or four months, what are they saying? Why are they leaving? And then understanding what is their next role? What company are they going to? What role are they stepping into? Um, I think we need to recognize as well that sales isn't for everyone and you do need that level of grit. But I think it's important to, to tell people you need grit, but if you have grit, this is what you're going to get. So I think pulling back the curtains and being really transparent with if you do this and you do it well and you commit within two years, you know, you could be earning some significant money um, if that is what their motivator is. And you will have autonomy over the way you manage your pipeline. You have a number on your head, sure, and that's scary and it's a lot of weight on your shoulder. But if you achieve it, you're the hero of the company and, you know, you can do whatever you want. You can take that Friday afternoon and play some golf because you're killing it. So I think we've got to also be really clear at if they have the grit, this is what they're going to be able to achieve and get. And I just don't know if that conversation is being had enough at that SDR level and all they're focused on, you've got the blinkers on and you're looking at 80 dials a day. That's not a nice job to have long-term. That's a brilliant point. Perhaps the, yeah, the messaging and the EVP could be uh, a little bit more tailored to SDRs. And you're right, the people um, in the SDR industry in that job really well regarded and really well sought after it's one of the i can tell you it's one of the most um difficult roles to fill in australian SaaS by some way as well and um the salaries as such have progressed to you know the, the largest i've seen since i've been in recruitment some really articulate smart great sellers that are in these roles so i think it's certainly come a long way and it will continue to with the with the um um because it's so talent short mm -hmm. Summarizing on that period, then the transition to CSM, you had a great couple of years and President's Club. What are your top three actionable insights that we might take away that an SDR or uh, a junior AE going into their first week in, in closing like, like you you did yourself, Tim? What are the three actionable insights they might take away to help them? Yeah, it's, um, you know, and I want to make sure they're tangible. I don't want to start having these great big, um, you know, speeches and you kind of leave the conversation and go, I don't know what to actually do. Um, but it brings me back to a conversation I had with an SDR that had just joined an organization and they pinged me saying like, Tim, like I'm not doing too well. It's the first time I'm in SaaS and SDR. Like, what can I do? And we had a quick 30, 40 minute call. Um, and I just understood what they're trying to achieve from their, you know, what are their targets initially? And then what is their current activity? And I started to realize that there were just, there was um, you know, a lot of procrastination, not like not necessarily the action. They kept thinking, how many dials do I need to make a day? What's my call structure? Um, what accounts do I go after? What's their company like, the personalization? And you kind of just got to keep it simple and go, you've got to hit your target and you, well, on your dials, if that's the number, and you've got to do it every single day and just do it every day for a couple of months without question and then see the results you're, you're starting to have. So my big first actionable insight is consistency. Can make a commitment to yourself and just stick with it for two, three, four months, then reevaluate. Stop fluffing around and thinking about, oh, I, I need to make some dials and I'm scared of doing it. Just start getting on it and be consistent. 
Um, and that's what I'm doing with my LinkedIn post as well, right? I don't really know what I'm doing. All I know is I'm going to do it every day. <laughs> um, the second one I think is find a really strong operating rhythm. And that might be a big, you know, fancy fluffy term, but an operating rhythm is ultimately like, if this happens, I'm going to do this. So, you know, you pick up, um, they hang up on you. What is your next, like, what do you do with that lead? Do you put them into a sequence? Do you put them into a, into a did not pick up sequence or hung up sequence? What is your operating rhythm and really nail it out? So each day you're not making all these different decisions. You just know that you've already set up your rhythm. You've got to just start operating and being consistent within the boundaries that you've created for yourself. And being tangible, it might be that. It might be pre-building out those sequences for the customers that say, love this, super interested, not right now. Our renewers in six months time, reach out in four months. Um, have a really good rhythm for when someone says like that product's not right for us. That's okay. Just know what you need to do for the next step. And the last one, of course, for me, like preparation. So um, being prepared, not over-prepared. But as an example, for me, with an account, as an account executive, a lot of that preparation is in building out decks um, that I can then very quickly hyper tailor to an individual customer. So when I say like I, I have a template deck, I have like 10 or 15 template decks. And when I'm on a call with a customer and I then do my discovery and understand what they're trying to achieve, I can very quickly jump into one of these decks that I've pre-built out that is aligned to what their solution might look like um, that I can then go in and tailor. If I was to every single day start with one deck and have to customize it and build it out from there, like I'd be spending hours every single day. So that upfront work um, has saved me so much time. And consistency is a, a great one. I think you hit the nail on the head there. We don't want to oversimplify it, but just getting in there and ripping the, the Band-Aid off as you will. How do you, in, in, what's your psychology when you're in that calling block or um, a certain block of period of activity? You mentioned that you are monetary driven, which is very common. How? What's your psychology in that that particular activity? Are you able to draw x equals um um y equals z that which is my long-term goal in that moment or are you purely just very much present in that in that period of time what i'm getting at is your motivation for that period of activity is it something that you build up to because you're thinking about a long-term goal or is it just kind of a consistent thing that you walk into and you are doing that activity at that time and don't worry about don't worry about anything else yeah i think like knowing the goal intimately is important and knowing what you're going to get out of it is important. But at the end of the day, you've also got to just do those hard yards. And um, I would say focus on that individual task. Forget about like the outcome or what you're trying to achieve or the goal. Otherwise, you'll just be always focused on the money, focus on the paycheck. Forget about the paycheck, focus on the task and the paycheck will come. Focus on the paycheck and don't focus on the tasks. It'll never bloody come. Um, so I think you're right. I think knowing, and you know, I, I even have like a whiteboard where I look at like my yearly goals, then my strategy and then my tasks and daily, I'm only looking at the tasks, which will then pull in. And at the end of the year, I can reflect back being like, hell's yeah, I did what I wanted to achieve. You know, I've got like, my goal would be achieve 150% of quota. Is that tangible? Is well, so it's tangible. Is that um, actionable? Not really. It's like, duh, everyone wants to do that. And then the strategy is, how am I going to do that? And that might be looking at like mastering prospecting, optimize, optimizing process. And then you go a layer deeper. What are the bloody tasks that I need to do to optimize my process, to master my prospecting? And that's what you focus on. 
I like that. That is very much um, an actionable approach, right? And I think from my own experience, starting out years and years ago, um, if you do, we often say, come and do this role, you know, do this, get through this. And long-term you'll receive whatever it might be. And it's too easy to procrastinate when you think about that long-term goal. What's perhaps a better approach is to just get lost in the flow state of in this hour, I'm going to commit to this task and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to do this task, see it out, see it as, as, as well as I can do it. And tomorrow I'm going to see if I can do that test task even better than I did yesterday. And I think that might help people that are just starting out to try and forget about the, 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 the long-term goal. It'll come as you, as you mentioned. Yeah. Consistently. It's you know it's it is so overwhelming when you look at those long term goals you know and I just like I've got this crappy you know little booklet like dead set it's a piece of crap and I just put down like I probably can't see it but just I just put down random tasks on there and then I have a little highlighter and I focus on one individual one knock it off and then at the end of the day I can look back go shit I got some stuff done which is cool and then you look back after a month of doing these tasks over a year of doing these tasks. And you've really achieved some significant goals. So I think prioritization, breaking it down into, as you said, you know, you can always minute yourself for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to achieve X. Um, and then just going through and actually doing it, I think it's important. Um, I also want to quickly recognize, again, I haven't been a full SDR purely in an outbound role. And there are some incredible people on, on LinkedIn that I follow that have done those roles and have mastered them tremendously. And I learned so much from reading their content um, and looking at their strategies. Um, I just want to recognize, I guess, that for those SDRs, like there are some amazing people out there that you can leverage um, and look at what they're doing, pinch their operating rhythm. They're there sharing it for everyone else to, to see. You mentioned discovery was um, something that you've really leaned into, and perhaps it, perhaps it's lesser. Um, it, it gets less lesser uh, amount of, of press in, in in the cycle. We talk about opening and closing a lot, right? But discovery said it, you said it's something that you've really leaned into, and you've got a lot out of it. What are some of the key learnings um, that you found there that really helped you? Yeah, I think you know you've got to understand those different. You know, I think qualification and sales methodologies. And a lot of them talk about, you know, BANT and medic, and you've got to get those, you know, really transferable details uh, or transactional details. Um, but then when you think about discovery, you're totally out of that cold calling rhythm. You're, you should be on a call with someone that is somewhat engaged, that wants to have an open dialogue and conversation. And you're just now on the same kind of level and, and playing field. And for me, understanding that the mind shift is it needs to all be about the customer put your, yourself in the customer's shoes you know it completely changed my perspective on on the way that i sell you know i'll admit early days i used to jump onto a discovery call and i would demo like i would demo on a discovery like it just didn't like you know I, I was so young and 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 rookie and that's fine and now i would never dream of doing something like that because i just don't understand the customer yet and when you're demoing you're trying to you you the only thing you can do is feature dump and hope something lands. Um, so for me, I think finding a rhythm of discovery, and it is what it is, it's, it's trying to discover the, the prospect for who they are and applying your own methodologies. I really like Sandler um, sales training. I think you know having that upfront contract is really important. Um, trying to position the discovery course so you can really intimately understand their problem and whether or not they are serious about finding a solution for it. 
And of course, you then start to scale down your list of, of questions. So I have like my Apple notes and I've got, you know, probably 15 questions on there. And in a discovery, I'm trying to fill them out. Um, but I'm not just asking the questions. It should be conversational. Um, and I'll lead to each question as they come. You mentioned also um, value creation or something I picked up on yourself is value creation. So the the commitment you've given to providing some copywriting every day has been you know, something you're really looking um, looking out on as a as real goal for you. And, and your, con- your content's great. How, how important has um, that been for you? Is it something that you just naturally leaned into or you received some advice that this is the way that modern selling is 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 moving towards what was the the reason that you've you've been able to take that approach yeah i think i've always been conscious of building a strong personal brand is important and i just haven't given it a go in the past um and i imagine you know i'm i'm selling to organizations i'm selling to the directors of hr people and capability managers and you know our focus at go one is around learning and development but i don't you know, I guess for me, I, I don't want to necessarily post purely about that. Um, I want to post about sales because that's really what I love and it's transferable. So if I'm to build a sales audience, wherever I go in my career, that audience should be able to come with me. Where if I'm to purely focus on that individual industry and I have to shift industries, my audience is now, um, you know, meaningless. So I'm going to be sharing content that isn't aligned to them. So when I thought about my LinkedIn strategy, um, I thought about what can I have outside of my nine to five that will stick with me wherever I go. Now, the silver lining is how good would it be if you work for like Salesforce, Gong, Outreach, where you're selling to salespeople. Like that is just a magic area in the market where you can share content like I'm sharing and you get a lead and you can actually sell to them. Where I'm never gonna get a lead from what I'm doing well, for, for go one from kind of this outbound um, strategy that I have, because I'm talking about sales. I'm not talking about, you know, building organizational capability. Um, so for me, making sure my audience is going to be my audience and stick with me wherever I go. Does it come naturally to me? Not at all. I, you know, I think, you know, we're going to talk about um, like writing and copywriting. I've never been really good at English. Um, I feel as though I've been good at, um, you know, more verbal communication. So it's it's been really uncomfortable for me to roll up the sleeves and start to understand how to structure something so it's easy to read. And it takes me a long time to get a solid post together. But as I've said before, I'm just going to commit and stick with it and be consistent. And hopefully in a year's time, I can knock out a post real quick because I've built up that that memory muscle. That foresight to, to have that approach that we, it is somewhat unique. We don't see it very often. And uh, I think when you mentioned that English perhaps wasn't something that you um, were drawn towards, what you have done is, is find your own voice on LinkedIn. So your messages don't sound corporate. You're talking as if perhaps you're meeting somebody for a coffee or, or a beer perhaps to talk about sales. Um, so I think what often people try to and they want to create value for the customers they want to be having good conversations as opposed to just battering down the door with the same old message but i think people find it really difficult to number one understand what's my target audience who is that and um, what can i offer that's a value and how do i um how to re- relay that in a way that's digestible and can be fun um and people can take something away from it so it, it is very difficult um 
what's your advice to other sellers out there that might be thinking how do i do this better how, how do they dip, dip their toe in the water number one number two you provide an awful lot of content where where do you um where do you find this not find it from where are you housing this content is it coming from your day-to-day interactions talk us through that yeah an awful lot of content hopefully it's not all awful um <laughs> i guess um yeah like if if yeah i guess like you know advice and i don't even know if i'm in a position to give advice because i've only been doing it for a couple of months as well and hopefully it's going to work like I'll, I'll i've committed to it right so it's not like i'm some great big linkedin guru i'm just winging it myself as well and at the end of the day that's what i'm doing i'm just winging it there is no magic amazing formula um, and I might I might flop and it might not work. And that's cool as well. I've given it a whirl. Um, I guess like starting off, you've got to answer those questions you just mentioned, but don't take, don't spend too much time on it. Again, don't, you know, become obsessed with the goal that you forget to actually do the task that you need to do to achieve it. But first and foremost, what is your goal from posting on LinkedIn? What are you trying to achieve? If my goal was to get more inbound leads that I could sell to with my nine to five, it would be, I would be doing very different tasks to what I'm doing right now. Um, so you have like that big goal. What are you trying to do? Is it trying to get more leads so you can sell to people um, for your nine to five? Or is it building up an audience that, um, you know, you get a strong following that you might be able to leverage later that you can offer, you know, assistance to? And I guess that's, that's more important for me. Once you understand the goal, you probably then need to come down again to that strategy level. What am I going to do to achieve that goal? For me, super basic, post five times a week. You could have more of a strategy like, you know, post three text-only posts a week and two photos and and maybe it's a personal story and three actionable insights. I haven't gone into that much detail. I think I'd just be carried away with designing this strategy. Then it comes into the actual task itself, writing the bloody posts. Um, so then I just start writing the posts and, and it all just kind of scales up. So you've got to ask yourself those questions ask them to yourself, answer them, and then put them aside. Stop focusing on them and start the daily tasks. And again, that commitment to the task rings true again, because the fact that you're not spending too much time on it, that humility and vulnerability that you mentioned there, that you just put it out there, it lands, you know, your, your hits, hit rate's great. And, and more importantly, a lot of uh, people are taking this advice and they're using it. It's helping them in certain aspects of their day of the week. So um, you certainly yeah. should be commended for that. One thing I want to talk about, you obviously had a great career so far with Go One, you know, fantastic business, huge growth um, trajectory. How important is it for the sellers we're talking about that are getting into the industry or taking their step into AE? How important is it that they pick the right business to work for? And how do yeah. they go about doing that? Yeah, look, it is, it's so, so important. And I will totally admit it was a fluke for me to have picked Go One. Um, you know, they mentioned in the interview process something about an investment from Microsoft. And like, I didn't even know what that meant. It was just like, sweet, I've got a CSM gig. Um, so it was a total fluke for me. And it could have gone either way, not something to try and replicate. Um, but I guess if I was to go back um, or if I was to go to a new organization now, I think things that I'd be looking at is first and foremost, do I believe in the solution? Can I go to their website, understand the problems that they're solving and go, you know what, I believe in this and I can actually, I can sell this thing. Um, if I come to a solution and I just don't think it's it's fit for market or I can't see the story behind it, I just don't think I'm going to be successful or, or do a good job. 
Um, the second, I think, I imagine is like, is the role remuneration or whatever is offer on the table, is that right for you? And that's going to be different for p- different people in their stages of life. The people that I'm talking to, those more junior um, reps, it's probably going to be things about your base salary, your commission structure. Do you have ESOP or some equity? If you're further into your career um, and you've run sales organizations, it's probably not going to be so much about those perks, but maybe more about equity, you know, having a strong exit strategy. Um, the next one would be around, you know, what's the career trajectory of, oh, sorry, what's the trajectory of the company, um, you know, and is it doing what you want it to do? Do you want to be part of like a hyper scale up growth company where it can be like the wild, wild west at times and you've got to get on with it and there's no structure? Or do you want to be at an established company where there is structure and they'll teach you exactly what to do every single day that you don't have as much autonomy? Um, and then is it? I guess the, the biggest question is, is it going to give you one of two things? Is it going to give you the opportunity to grow um, as a, you know your professional skills and personal skills? Um, or is it going to give you the, the opportunity to earn? It has to be one of one of each. Um, ideally, it provides you with both. So if I was to look at a new company, those are the things I'd be starting to look at. We're going to go into the fast five rounds to um, finish off, Tim. Now, the first one is, what book do you recommend? Now, this could be fiction, nonfiction or other. Um, yeah. The one book that you'd recommend to people listening. Yeah, look, totally vulnerable here. I'm not a good reader. I just don't I just don't read books. No excuse. I know it's not great, but there have been a couple in the past and I know it's corny. Everyone says it's a great book. Um, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, for me, I talk a lot about sales, but, you know, I have a real goal of having autonomy over my life and investing is so critical for that. And I don't talk about that, but for me, that is a huge part of my life. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Nice. Number two, podcasts any podcast that you listen to religiously one particular podcast and it's not really about sales but it helps me tremendously in sales it's called planet money by npr uh they give you incredible insights into the into the economy into the global economy into different industries so um, macro and micro economies and how they function they'll digest why oil prices high um, and really go into the nuts and bolts they'll digest inflationary periods and what that means to interest rates and what it means if we don't lift interest rates and it just for me i am fascinated about that because it gives me a good understanding um, of the world and when i speak to different industries I've probably listened to that podcast and gone, yeah, I actually totally understand what it was like to create a new pasta shape and go to market with it because I listened to it on Planet Money. That's a legit episode, by the way. Great tip. I like that. And, and I also plugged a similar um, similar platform that I use myself called Blinkist earlier in the week. Similar similar prop where maybe even for yourself, Tim, you can get um, a entire book summarized down to about 50-minute segment, which you can listen to. Um, so one for one there. I'll be certainly getting on the NPR, but if you want to pick that one up, I'd certainly yeah. recommend. <laughs> this is a big one for us. Um, what quote slash mantra slash tenet, uh, forgive the plug, do you live by? So is there a, a phrase, a billboard phrase that you could sum up how you go about your day, your week, your life? Yeah, look, <laughs> I thought about this and I thought it'd be a good time to have a bit of a plug. Um <laughs> And I understand this term or the word that is used in this term can be different for different regions. But for us Aussies, it should all mean the same thing. Just want to make that very clear. And it's probably a bit of a mantra I accidentally stumbled across. And I think I'll brand it for the surfing salesman. And it's share the froth. 
Now, what that means, we'll go into more details, is like insert, like when you're surfing, right, you might see like sick waves and you're frothing to get out there. Um, you know, I'm frothing for a beer. Like I'm just so keen to have a beer. I think when I talk about share the froth is, you know, I think I did a post a while ago. When you see someone do something that is remarkable, like get involved, celebrate their success with them. Um, and I find that when you share the froth and you're excited for other people's wins, I don't know, you just get good energy. People people come to you, you go to them and you just feel a bit more collaborative. And then when you get some wins, you've got people that are cheering you on. And I think opportunities open up when you're not just so focused on yourself, but you focus on other people's um, successes and celebrations as well. Yeah, I love that. And that's actionable in all areas of life, I'm sure. Uh, it's uniquely Australian. I'm not sure if it'll, it'll uh, catch on yeah. outside <laughs> the region, but yeah, fantastic one. I love that. Um, in the last 12 months, what behavior or habit has improved your life? Yeah, a really big one. Um, like I'm starting to respect my time a bit more. I think previously I would just voluntarily give up my time and, um, you know, to anyone for anything. And I think, you know, being able to just understand like, what am I trying to do with my time and where can I best allocate it? Um, because time is, a, is you know, it's, it's a limited resource and I need to make sure I'm doing the right things with it. And that's everything from, um, you know, being more selective with the meetings that I'm going to sit in on internally, um, more selective with the arguments that I'm going to pick with people out in the street. You know, previously, I probably really want to make my point if someone was rude to the poor barista. Nowadays, I just talk to the barista, oh, that guy's a bit of a dickhead and move on. Um, and I think that mentality has saved me a lot of stress. It saved me a lot of time. Um, and it's given me more, yeah, more time back into my day to do the things that I need to do to hit those goals. Fantastic. All encompassing again. Yeah, that's a great one. And lastly, to know you're a UFC man, what song would you pick for your ring walk into the octagon? Uh, tough one. It would be certainly A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. And ashamedly, I don't know it. I'd straight to, to YouTube um, after this. You'll, you'll be. know it for sure. First 10 seconds. I'll be pitching it. And the reason I asked that, actually, I find it quite an interesting one. You know, we tried to deep dive into, in a really short period of time, we really tried to deep deep dive and understand what somebody's about. And if I'm in music, you ask somebody to um, give you a, you know, song that summed up a period of their life. Yeah. Ask them that and they will, they will be transported back to that time. It's so, um, <clears throat> it's such a great way to understand people and what they're about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll be certainly be picturing you walking into the octagon when I get on YouTube. Shot All right. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Jump on YouTube and give that one a play. <laughs> I would indeed. Um, and lastly, Tim, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I think what you've been doing in terms of the, um, the sharing, the way that you, you're putting out content, it's been really, really useful for my network. And I think that'll continue to grow. Um, I think it's been fantastic. So thank you for sharing your time here, uh, and, and being part of the podcast. Um, as per your following, if uh, there are people listening, see this post that want to, you know, get more of some of the things you've been um, putting out there, what's the best way they can engage with you or follow you? Yeah, look, um, you know, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. Always happy to have a conversation. Um, I think in the future, if things, um, you know, go well and I'm adding value, then I, I might look at investing my time and making more of a tangible resource that you can use. Um, but yeah, look, stay, yeah, reach out, say hello. I'm always happy to connect. And they can follow you there on, on LinkedIn, of course. Yeah. Fantastic. Tim, thank you again. It's been fantastic. Pleasure, John Joe. Thank you kindly. Thanks for now. Bye.
Bye. Bye.